church. How we doing? You guys good? Super excited to be with you guys and ladies today. Uh, before we dive into what I want to share today, I do want to take a second to uh, thank Pastor Justin for the privilege. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, rock on, rock on, rock on. Thank Pastor Judson for the privilege specifically of being on this platform on Father's Day, which uh, when I share some of my backstory here with you as the message goes on, that will all make sense, number one. But number two, I also want to thank Pastor Justin that uh, I'm sure that I speak for uh, many people at uh, every location that uh, your family is stronger and healthier and more intentional about pursuing God because Pastor Justin a decade ago came to Orlando and said, let's launch Action Church. And so super excited, super thankful for that. If we're not met, my name is John, and I serve as the family pastor. I also am on the spiritual leadership team and the operational leadership team, so I get to serve in those capacities. But as, as the family pastor, like the great passion of my professional work, my calling is to serve and support uh, healthy marriages and, and intentional parenting. And so with that the, as, as kind of the backdrop for us being together today, there's a couple things I want to accomplish. I do want to spend a few minutes uh, challenging and charging the dads. And then we're going to speak to, uh, to everybody, and, uh, and then I believe that uh, at the close of our time together, as we do every single week, we're going to give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel, and I believe that dozens of guys and ladies uh, at each of our locations today are going to place their faith in Christ, and so I'm so thankful for that. We are, uh, we're talking today about measurables that matter most. Say measurables. Measurable. Measurables that matter most, and, uh, and the definition of the word measurable is quantitative and significant quantitative and significant. Now, if I asked you, and I want to tell you today, a lot of what we're talking about is the contrast between, between like the flesh and the spirit. And we're going to talk about the battle, those opposing appetites. And, but if I were to ask you, like, think about somebody that you really, really respect. Like somebody that you really, like this is an amazing person, ama- like somebody that you really respect. Not, not a celebrity, not someone that you don't know. I'm talking about someone that you're in personal relationship with. Could be could be a parent, could be a relative, could be a, a coworker, could be a. T- just think about someone that you uh, that you know that uh, man. You say this is an amazing person, and there are differences about their lives that like like they're measurable, like in their quality. Okay, you got it, you got it. Awesome, awesome. Here, what I want to encourage you guys and ladies with is uh, whomever you just thought of. It might have been a, a, a great dad. It could have been a great mom. It could have been a great coworker. It could have been a great teammate. It could have been. A, a great roommate, to what, what, whoever you just thought of, there's nothing particularly special about them except for this. They're ordinary just like you, but they have made a great commitment to feeding the appetite to develop the measurables that matter most. It, it's really the only difference between anybody is, man, they're, they're, they're going to be about spiritual things and about God's plan or I'm going to be about, about physical things and about my plan, okay? So that's going to kind of set the, the stage for where we're going today. I do want to take a second and introduce my, my family to you. I am the family pastor, and so part of my responsibility is to have a family. So look, let's take a look at the family right there. And so, so there they are. That's the crew. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Now I know what you're thinking. So uh, we are the seven Evans from a branding standpoint. Uh, we are the seven Evans. And uh, I know what you're thinking, uh, and you're right. It is, you're right. It is a good thing that they look like their mom. And so... Praise God. That's not cool that you guys would laugh at it. So, so praise God. Now, here's what's funny. A couple years ago, one of the kids said, hey, Dad, I figured it out. I was, okay, what's up? Uh, so we get our intelligence and, and, and our attractiveness from mom, but we get, our, we get our athleticism and our swag from you. And I was like, I'm good with that. 
I'm I'm like, listen, listen, I'm like, here I am, Lord. Like all I, I it's like the dude would hit me, he's just got a little couple, couple of loaves and some fish. And he's like, this is all I got, Lord. Do what you can. I, I just brought my and he's like, okay, I can make something magical happen right here. And so uh, praise God for grace. And so, listen, listen, uh, just because we got five kids and we're, we're the seven Evans, I told my wife when we were on the way home from the hospital with our youngest, who's now 13, I said, seven Evans, you know what would be cooler than seven Evans? She goes, what? I go, the 11 Evans. <laughs> she said, uh, that's not happening, Frisky Bridges. And so, uh, <laughs> hey, just because, uh, just because, uh, just because I got five kids does not make me a parenting expert. It just means that my wife and I figured out how to make people. But I'm super excited <laughs> about sharing with you guys and ladies today. That'll be great for your lunchtime conversation for you guys and ladies today. Hey, uh, I, I do want to talk to the dads for a little bit, but it is Father's Day, and I, I just don't feel like we can start without some, without some dad jokes. You guys want some dad jokes? Honestly, I, I, some of you guys are like, no, I don't really want dad jokes, but uh, I prepared some, and so that's what we're going to do. We got, some, uh, we got some dad jokes right here. You guys know the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi? The people of Dubai don't like the Flintstones, but the people of Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> that's so dumb. That is so dumb. I told my wife the other day, I was like, hey, babe, uh, don't get me wrong, but it looks like you drew your eyebrows a little higher than normal. When I mentioned it to her, she, she seemed surprised. <laughs> Some of the guys are like, I don't know, what's he talking about? I got a pet snail. I got a pet snail. I raced the pet snail. And I had this idea, if I take the shell off of the snail, he could go faster. But now he's just kind of sluggish. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to church. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. How about some, you guys want some, uh, some Christian dad jokes? Uh, again, I don't care if you do or not. I've prepared them. And so, team, please don't turn my microphone off. And so, uh, somebody asked me, hey, Pastor John, who's the most business savvy female in, uh, in the Bible? And I was like, well, Scripture tells us that Pharaoh's daughter went down to the bank of the Nile and withdrew a little profit. <laughs> Man, I wish Pastor Parker was out there with that thing. If you don't know, uh, hey, hey, uh, summertime, people love the water, so uh, anybody interested in a custom boat, custom boat? I know a guy. Okay. If you guys want to be in a bad mood, that's fine. Uh, one more, one more, one more. This is not Christian, just whatever, whatever. I told, told my wife the other day, I was like, hey, babe, listen, CrossFit was brutal this morning. CrossFit was brutal this morning. It was almost more than my stomach could bear. And she goes, well, first of all, it's not pronounced CrossFit. They're pronounced croissants. <laughs> and you ate seven of them. And so I was like, hey, seven is the number of completion. I was just trying to, I was just trying to see it through. I want to talk to the dads for a minute, dad jokes. Uh, uh, unfortunately, in, uh, in the culture that we live in, uh, a lot of people would consider dads to be jokes. All you got to do is watch one sitcom. And the, and the dad, is, uh, he is a bumbling, incompetent punchline. It's so easy to, I just want to say this very clearly to the guys. I want, I want to encourage the men here. Uh, being a real dad, not just a donor, okay? Being a real dad, not just a donor, is, uh, is probably the most significant thing that you do, men. And, uh, and so I'm super excited to spend a few minutes with you uh, challenging and encouraging the dads, and then we're going to talk to everybody in the room. And, and just to give you the context of my backstory, my origin story, I grew up, some of you guys would know, I grew up in uh, North Carolina. My parents were divorced before I was two. I have no concept of what it's like to have a mom and dad at the same place at the same time. Did not have a relationship with my father in any capacity growing up. We've since uh, made peace, and I'm thankful for what God has used my, my physical dad to teach me. But it was me and my mom and, and my older sister, and the first 
22 years of my life, we lived in 18 different places. Because my mom was just like, rent over there is $15 less. That's what we got to do. There were some voids in my life. There were some battles in my life. There were some struggles in my life growing up. That father void, I've literally had the privilege to travel all over the country and encourage guys and ladies just like you uh, to overcome that father void. And, and it may be a father void for you. It may be a number of things for you. But I just want to give you this thought as we jump in today. Your, your deepest pains when properly processed, your deepest pains when properly processed will become your greatest platform for impacting people. Your deepest pains when properly processed will become your greatest platform for impacting people. Listen to this right here. This is Psalm 112, verses one and two. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears. Blessed is the man who has reverent love for the Lord, who greatly delights in uh, his commandments, who greatly delights in, who embraces the wisdom of his word, his commandments. His offspring, that man's offspring, will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Christian men, this can be your legacy, not only for the people that live under your roof, but you never know who is watching you. When I placed my faith on, uh, in Jesus Christ on January 23rd, 1994, and for some of you, today will be that day for you, which I'm super excited about. Uh, when I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, January 23rd, 1994, I had no backstory, had no concept of the fact that God had a plan and purpose for my life. We didn't go to church growing up. Uh, my mom was doing the best that she could. It was rarely even Christmas or Easter. So there was no spiritual background whatsoever. But that day, I placed my faith in Christ. And then a couple of years later, I met Catherine. We got married. And now I realized I don't know what this needs to look like to be a husband and a dad. And so what I did, men in the church, what I did is I started watching and taking notes from men in the church. And so guys that can hear my voice here in Winter Park, Sanford, Oviedo, even worshiping with us online, you have a calling and a responsibility. And I wanna give you a few things today, three things I believe that you're responsible for. Here's, here's the, the, I was watching these guys in church. I'm 25 years old, my wife and I just got married and, and we, were in a, we were in a Sunday school class. And we were in a Sunday school class, 25 years old, a newly married Sunday school class. The teacher's name was Wyatt. And, and our class was uh, the Soul Train. The Soul Train. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that. Like you don't know, that's, that's, a, that's a dated reference right there. That's a dated reference. Our Sunday school class was called the Soul Train, and it was for newly married couples. And I watched Wyatt love and serve his wife and lead his children. I was like, okay, that's what that looks like. And he was a contractor. Another guy that I watched was a guy named Rob. He was a mattress manufacturer. He and I played church softball together. Let me tell you this. You have not been cussed out until you've been cussed out playing church softball. That's... I'm like, I'm like, sir, yeah, I'm like, sir, the word church is literally on your chest as I'm hitting bombs and this guy's dropping F-bombs. I'm like, what are you? Thank you. Well, like, well I'm like, I, I'm watching Rob. I'm watching Rob, the grace with which he's leading a group of guys. Mattress manufacturer. There's another guy named Alan who was, a, who was an insurance guy. He was an insurance guy. We were, we were small group leaders together in student ministry. I'm 25 and he's 45 and we were small group leaders together for uh, high, school, uh, high school boys. In fact, uh, let me remind you, we got Action Kids Camp. Get your kids. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Get your kids in somewhere. We got momentum next month. Get your kids signed up. I'm watching Alan, and this guy's got three daughters, and then he's pouring into all these high school guys. And I was like, man, that's what it looks like. And I'm taking notes. There's one more guy named Keith. 
he was a student pastor, and now I'm a young student pastor, and I'm watching him, and I'm taking notes. And, and of those four, Keith was the only one that was a, a pastor, and he was a student pastor. Most people don't even give student pastors full credit for being pastors. And so my point is, dads, I thought you might chuckle at that, but that's fine. I'm not offended. My point is, dads, God wants to use you no matter your station in life. And I'm going to give you three things that I learned from these men. Three things that I learned from these men that I believe that we are responsible to do. Number one is to protect. Number one is to protect. Every, every guy that can hear my voice, uh, Winter Park, Sanford, Oviedo, Washington Online, you are called to protect now and in the future. And, and it's a responsibility that we have. Listen, you don't have to lean on your own strength too. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, it says, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So I'm not gonna rely on my strength. I'm gonna rely on my heavenly father's strength. And in doing that, I'm gonna stand at the front door and I'm going to protect my family. Men, you are called to protect your family. Not on my watch. The attacks are not coming on my watch. It stops with me. I will take responsibility for men. That's what we're called to, to fight the good fight. Not on your own strength, not on your own strength. And you might say, man, I'm not, I don't know if I'm equipped for that. Well, if you're a Christian, then you, you've got a relationship with Jesus, and you've got God's spirit in you, and we've got the word. I don't know what else we need to be about it. And listen, I was telling you guys a little bit ago about, uh, about the backstory and just dysfunction, just dysfunction in my life growing up. And again, my mom was doing the best that she could, working two and three jobs, just, just, just so that we could survive. Last, uh, last Wednesday, we had uh, morning prayer. Anytime we have encounter that morning, we have morning prayer. Let me invite you to be a part of that. Last Wednesday, I was at morning prayer, and my 20-year-old my son, you just saw a picture of him a minute ago, he comes up to me, he puts his hands on my shoulders. He said, Dad, thank you, for, thank you for fighting for us. He said, Dad, thank you for fighting for us. I know how much junk you had to deal with growing up and all the baggage and the generational stuff, and so thank you for, thank you for, for fighting to get victories in all of those places so that me and my siblings, this is my 20-year-old son saying, to, he said, thank you for fighting in all of those places so that me and my siblings can just pursue God and live our lives in freedom. Men, go fight that fight. Men, go fight that fight. Men, go fight that fight. No excuses, let's be about it. The second one, first we need to protect. The second one that I learned from these guys, watching these normal guys, is to provide. We're talking about measurables that matter most, and in the world that we live in, lots of us as guys, we hang our hat on, on the provide piece. And, and we do, like scripturally, it's very important. It says in, in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now that's a very clear indictment on our responsibility as men to provide for our families. But here's what I want you guys to understand. Providing financially is not where it stops. That's not where it stops. That is, that is responsibility. Like my wife, she's very selfish. She likes to live with, in a house. <laughs> my kids are remarkably self-centered. They, they insist on eating every day. I'm like, we just had dinner 11 hours. Like, get over yourselves. So we have this responsibility to provide men, but lots of times we, we kind of give ourselves the out of, I've done my, my part on providing financially, but it doesn't stop there. Guys, you're also responsible, if we're talking about, uh, talking about uh, measurables that matter most, you're also responsible to provide wisdom and to provide direction and to provide accountability and to provide affirmation and to provide correction and to provide yourself 
and to provide covering. We need to protect. We need to provide. And the third thing that I learned from watching these normal guys and the third thing that I want to challenge our men with today is I watched these guys pray. I learned that, uh, that a dad who was going to be about it, a man in the community that was going to be about it was going to be a guy that was going to pray. Now, here's what's fascinating about that. Let me just talk to the guys straight up for a second. What's fascinating about, about the, uh, we, talk about, we talk about protect, which is hard. We talk about provide, a lot of stress. We talk about pray. Pray would be the easiest of the three, and I'm pretty sure that of the three, even though it's the easiest of the three, it's probably the least of the three that's actually expressed. Men. And some of you guys are like, man, I, I don't know if I'm equipped for that. And, and I understand. Guys, I understand, but your eloquence in speech, it, it, that has nothing to do with it. It's not, it, it's not a performance. It's simply a discipline. And this world, guys, this world is relentless in coming after your families. So we have to be uh, unapologetic in fighting the good fight on their behalf, okay? It's not, it's, not to, it's not a performance. It really is a discipline. And the enemy takes no days off. And so not only, not only dads, but moms, parents, grandparents. Here's a couple of verses. As I watch these guys pray, and I learn that I need to protect, and I need to provide, and I need to pray. I, I watch these guys. Here's a couple of verses, and obviously there are literally thousands of them in Scripture. But uh, moms, dads, parents, grandparents, uh, here's some verses that you might jot down the addresses of that you can pray for your families. Uh, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, uh, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Another one, uh, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. You want a prayer for your 20-year-old? Be strong and courageous. You want a prayer for your 11-year-old? Be strong and courageous. You want a prayer for your 44-year-old adult child? Be strong and courageous. It, 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 it's timeless. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then Romans 12, 2, we've been made new. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I want to talk to everybody. I want to talk to everybody. Obviously, there are truths that you have drawn Everybody's been listening to me. There are truths that you're, you have drawn in your household. In your household, man, I need to protect. I need to provide. I need to pray. I want to I share with you guys and ladies this battle between, between the flesh and the spirit. And it can be very intimidating for all of us. Now, I know in this room, and I know at all of our locations, we got some guys and ladies, man, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and even still, there's a unique challenge there. It's not about you doing these things on your own strength. It's about leaning on the Lord. Listen to this. This is Acts 4, 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and Peter and John have just demonstrated this, this powerful, authoritative trust in God's power to, 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 to bring a cleansing and a healing uh, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Unschooled, ordinary women. Unschooled, ordinary students. Unschooled, ordinary parents. Unschooled, ordinary co-workers. Unschooled, ordinary neighbors. They realized that they were unschooled and ordinary. The people were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now listen, 
It's important for you to understand, if I say Peter and John, even if, you, even if you've only been to church a couple of times, if I say Peter and John, you're like, those, those, guys are, those guys are spiritual giants. And yes, yes, they ended as spiritual giants, but they started as fishermen. Now, how do they get from fishermen to spiritual giants? You know how they got from fishermen to spiritual giants? They spent time with Jesus. And so listen, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. All you have to do is say, God, not my will, but yours be. I, I need to spend time in the presence of the Lord and stop feeding, stop feeding my flesh and start feeding my spirit. And it's a completely different appetite. And we need to understand, guys and ladies, it's not where you're from, it's how you finish. It's not where you're from, it's how you finish. And lots of us, if I'm being honest, you know, Scripture says, uh, it says, I believe, but help my unbelief. If I'm being honest, lots of, us, uh, lots of us, we believe Jesus for salvation, but we haven't gone so far as to le- believe Jesus to be the Lord daily of our lives. And that's where that inner struggle comes from. Listen, see if you find yourself uh, in, in some of these instances right here. I believe, I believe for my salvation, help, help my unbelief with my marriage. I believe for my salvation, but help my unbelief for my bitterness. I believe for my eternity, but help my unbelief for my purpose. I believe for my eternity, but help my unbelief for my fears, for my worry, for my stress, for my anxiety. It all boils down to this battle between the flesh and the spirit, and, and which, which appetite are you feeding? And it comes out, fruit comes out, fruit comes out, whichever appetite you're feeding. Now raise your hand, okay, let's just be honest. Raise your hand if you know somebody that there's, like there's honestly, if there, there's always drama in their lives. Like just raise your hand, you know somebody always, yeah, raise your hand, all of our locations, raise your hand. Here's what's funny, here's what's funny. I mean, let's just be honest. A lot of you guys at all of our locations just raising your hand. A lot of y'all just raising your hand, you think about somebody sitting like four feet from you right now. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, no, nah, Pastor, no, nah, for real. <laughs> no, nah, you my boy, pray for him. He don't even, this guy don't even know the Lord. Psycho. Listen, listen, listen. It's the inconsistencies. Drama is fruit. It's not the kind of fruit that we want to produce, but it is fruit. And it depends on which appetite we are feeding, and today we're talking about the measurables that matter most. Let me give you this contrast between the measurables of someone that doesn't know the Lord and the measurables of someone that is walking in God's grace. These are the measurables, the fruit of, of feeding the flesh. This is what Scripture says, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that is an extensive list, and it's not even the full list because in my research for preparing for today, uh, there's also a similar but different list in Mark 7, in Romans 1, in 1 Timothy 1, and in 2 Timothy 3. And these are the demonstrations of people who are living habitually outside of God's will and purpose for their life. Like, like listen, lots of times we think, hey man, if I, if, I, if I made a mistake, there's a big difference between making a mistake, sinning in an instance, versus living a habitual, there's a big difference there. There's a big, in fact, in the world that we live in, uh, the world that we live in, so opposed to people of faith, 
Not because, not be, again, not because they hate God or, or, or they don't necessarily believe that Jesus could even be the sinless son of God. Is there's, there's some, uh, some self-evaluation uh, that they're doing there and your life is way different than mine and who do you think that you are? And then you make a mistake and they're like, oh, you're a hypocrite. Making one mistake, uh, one sin is not, does not make you a hypocrite. That's why we need God's grace in our lives. But what scripture is saying right here is if these things characterize your life, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And that was the exact, that was the list of measurables that, that demonstrated who I was before I met Jesus. And I'm not embarrassed to say that in front of a, a few thousand people today because I've been the beneficiary of grace and I've been forgiven of my past, my regret, my sin, my shame through the person of Jesus Christ. And, and yeah, and absolutely. And I believe that dozens of people today are also going to realize like I did on January 23rd, 1994, as a 22-year-old college dropout, I believe that a number of guys and ladies are going to say, hey, you know what, Pastor John, uh, you said a few words in there that I didn't even really know what they were, but you said a few words that I really knew what they were, and that's kind of who I am, and I, I can't carry that weight anymore. And you know what? You can't carry that weight, but God's grace is sufficient. Listen to this. Listen to this. You can, uh, you can go where your flesh wants to drag you, or you can go where the Spirit wants to lead you. And Listen, sign me up for the Spirit. Sign me up for the spirit leading. Now, those are the measurables, the measurables of the life outside of Christ. But here are the measurables that matter most. And they're the fruits of the spirit. You guys know this, Galatians 5, through 25. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And if you want to experience victories, church, if you want to experience victories that all the people want to celebrate, then you have to be able to, to execute and express disciplines that few people are willing to. It really is. But, but if you do that, if you set aside feeding the flesh and you pursue feeding the spirit, it changes everything. And there's, there's a few pictures in Scripture. Man, we got, to, you know, we, got to, we got the pig and we got, to, we got the sheep. We got the raven, we got the dove, and those, these are pictures of, man, which appetite are you going to feed? And scripture says right here, there is no law against, you can have people pushing back against, man, like come around sharing your faith, there is no law against love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You can't push back against that. Well, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, it doesn't matter necessarily whether you believe in Jesus or not. The simple truth is, He's a sinless son of God, and one day we're going to be accountable and responsible to that. And there is no law against the goodness of the fruit that comes. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Fruit, guys and ladies, is meant to be produced, and then it's meant to be eaten. What's really fascinating, and uh, you know, we got five kids, so my wife will go to Sam's Club and she'll spend $1.7 million on groceries for my son. I got two sons, I got two sons, and they, we eat dinner, and then they eat three more dinners after dinner. I'm like, what are you, it's 1052? I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm like, man, what is wrong with you? I need to take you to the doctor. I say, but I, I, I say all of that to say, fruit is meant to be eaten, and you go and you buy, man, we get some bananas, we get some apples, and we get some oranges, and then next thing you know, it's sit there, and the next thing you know, you know what, the Doritos look good over there. I could go for a Reese cup right now. And so we let this fruit, it just kind of rots, and one of the things that I love about our church, every single Sunday, 
Pastor Justin will start with a message, uh, start the message with, or every single Sunday, your, your location pastor will come up for, for the opening host and share with you a story of how your generosity, how your faithfulness, how people say, hey man, this is the fruit and we're taking it out to a lost and hurting world. And so fruit is meant to be produced and then eaten. And when the people around you that are lost and hurting see that your life is producing love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, they will begin to realize I hunger for that. And then we show up. Then we show up. Four things as we close very, uh, very efficiently. You guys are doing a great job of listening. I actually had 58 minutes worth of content that we're squeezing into 34 minutes, but God is able to do immeasurably more than we could think or imagine. And so four ways to cultivate measurables that matter most. These are very simple, very practical, very clear. I would encourage you to jot these down. Go after God, number one. Obviously, go after God, number one. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need, Matthew 6, 33. Pastor Justin often talks about not being a recreational reader, nor am I a recreational reader per se. I spend time every single day in the Word. That is not recreational. That is intentional. But one of my favorite authors is a guy named uh, Mark Batterson, and he's got this famous quote. He says, uh, you are only one decision away from a totally different life. And if you and I were sitting down having lunch right now and I said to you, hey man, what's the one decision? What's the one change that you need to make? You are one decision away from a totally different life. Now, for a number of people today, that first decision will be to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And again, a number of people are gonna do that. One decision away from changing everything, this life and eternity. But, I, but I'm sure that a number of you guys and ladies, you could sit down and say, one decision away from really making a, an emphasis and a shift from, uh, from, from living for myself and going after God. It changes, it changes everything. Half-hearted commitment is wholehearted indifference. It changes everything. The second thing that you need to do is you need to walk the word. The first thing you need to do is go after God. And the second thing you need to do is you need to walk the word. And listen, if you don't know where you're going, then anywhere will get you there. Like if you don't have a plan, anywhere will get you there. But this is God's roadmap. It is literally God's roadmap for our lives. When I placed my faith in Christ, January 23rd, 1994, not having any idea of, 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 of anything prior to that religious like, like, like religiosity, I had no concept for any of that, but when I realized that Jesus had forgiven me of my past, my regret, my sin, my shame, I gave him credit for the fact that everything, that everything else in the Bible must be true too. Like it really does change your life. Like it really does change your life. Lots of times we're like, man, I wonder what God's plan is. I wonder what God's will is. I wonder what God's heart is. I wonder what God's direction is. Like, like open it up and, and, and do the research. It's very simple. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You might hear people say, I, man, I don't believe the Bible because the Bible is, the Bible just contradicts itself. And, and that's a very self-serving statement. The Bible does not contradict itself. The, the reason why people would say the Bible contradicts itself is because the Bible contradicts the type of life that those people are choosing to live. That's real. And I don't want it to contradict the type of life that I'm choosing to live. And so it's the difference between what appetite do we, do we need to be feeding? You need to go after God you need to walk the word. You need to walk the word. You need to understand that failure isn't final. This is a big one. Failure isn't final. You need to go after God. You need to walk the word out in your daily life. And you, real, you need to realize that failure isn't final. And what's fascinating about that, I'm not even necessarily talking about sin. I'm not even necessarily talking about, to, about gross and horrific mistakes. I, I'm just talking about potential moments where 
Maybe you missed the mark. Maybe you missed an opportunity. Failure isn't final. I just, I wrote down a couple of instances here. I think you, I think you might find yourself in some of these examples. If I had real faith, and I'm not talking about sin, I'm just saying like, like, like I missed the mark. If I had real faith, I would trust God instead of being so anxious. If I had real faith, I wouldn't get so angry with, with people. If I had real faith, I would be content instead of struggling with greed or lust or whatever. If I had real faith, I would give generously instead of holding on tightly. Galatians 6, 9 says, do, do not grow weary in doing what is right, for at the proper time you will reap a great reward if you do not give up. Failure does not disqualify you from God's grace in your life. In fact, that's the very reason why we need it. I'm so thankful, and I'm sure that you are as well, for all the, all the times that you have uh, had to take responsibility. And God, thank you for your grace in my life. Don't miss. But it doesn't disqualify you from getting up tomorrow and going to be a difference maker in the lives of someone else tomorrow, which is exactly the, the last thing I want to share with you guys and ladies. The last of the, those four. Go after God. Walk word failure isn't final and then others above ourselves others above ourselves if you want to cultivate the measurables that matter most in this life and in the next then put the needs and the opportunities of others above yourselves I was I was asked a, a few months ago hey pastor John if you could give advice to 20 year old you what would you what would you say and I would say man 20-year-old me was all about me. Like, obviously, like, I love me some me. Like, I love me some me. I'm like, hey, bro, I get to spend another day with you. I love you, man. And I was asked what advice in 20-year-old me, and I would have told 20-year-old me, John, it's not about you getting yours. Your greatest fulfillment in this life will be about you helping others to get theirs. That's where true life is. That's where true worth is. That's where true value is. If you have understood compassion to help someone else understand compassion, if you have been the beneficiary of grace to help someone else receive grace if you have been forgiven to help someone else understand the beauty and the power and the freedom that comes as it results of of being forgiven and we talked about these things that we tend to build the measurables and don't get me wrong shiny objects are fine but shiny objects can't come at the expense of spiritual objectives this this last verse that i want to share with you guys and ladies philippians 2 verses 3 and four, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I want to show, with you, I want to show you uh, one more picture, and then I want to pray for us here in just a second. This is a, a picture. We had a team that just got back from Honduras, uh, literally at about four o'clock this morning. We sent a team uh, this past week down to Honduras. Uh, to, to partner with an organization that we, uh, we, we work with down in the field down there in country, uh, Children's Cup. And, and there was a team, uh, Pastor Aaron from Oviedo and, and, and Sonia from uh, Sanford led that team. And so I want to say thank you to those individuals for leading that team. And you can see on the left of this picture right here, you can see a, a few of the, the ladies from our group that went. And to the right, sitting in the seats, are are some women from the village, and these women volunteer. This organization, every single day, they, they basically receive 50, 60, 70, 80 children from the village that have nothing and are probably not going to have a hot, healthy meal unless it comes from this kitchen. 
And so these women on the right, uh, they're serving uh, thanklessly because they love the kids in their community. And, and we're thinking about others above ourselves. And, and I think it was Sonia that uh, God said to her, because she's feeding the Spirit, and God said, hey, listen, this is what I believe we should do. We should show these women honor by washing their feet. Now, this excites me for a couple of reasons. Number one, it excites me because I love the beauty of, of the, the, the humility of the act of washing feet. And, and because, honestly, because it freaks a lot of people out. Some of you don't even like your own feet. You're like, I ain't trying to mess with somebody else's feet. And think about the picture of Christ's humility. We're the beneficiaries of, uh, of others above ourselves. The greatest demonstration of that ever being Jesus, the sinless son of God who would come and, and put on your sin and then climb up on the cross and say, uh, say God, here I am. I'll pay that price for them so they can be forgiven of their past, their regret, their sin, their shame. And what's amazing about this story, and then I want to pray for you guys and ladies, is one of these women that's uh, in the seats, we became aware that, uh, that she had been struggling with chronic pain in her feet for her entire life. And when it was communicated to them that, uh, that they were going to get their feet washed, she began praying, God, would you please... This is a burden for me. This is, a, this is such a source of discouragement for me. And before the team left uh, to come back yesterday, uh, they reported, that lady reported to them that her feet and that pain, they, she had been healed and set free from that. And so, God is able to do immeasurably more than we could think or imagine. We've been talking about the measurables that matter most, and I want to pray for everyone, but there is one measurable that matters most above all. It's the most important measurable here in this life, and it trickles down to everything else. And then there's that, that same measurable, is, uh, it's, it's the gatekeeper for eternity. It is, do you know the reality of Jesus Christ? Do you have Christ as Savior in your life? And I believe that there's a number of guys and ladies here at Winter Park, Sanford, Oviedo, watching online, that you would say, you know what, today, Pastor John, I need that relationship with Jesus. My life does look like those other things, and I want it to look like God's grace, and so... I want you guys and ladies to bow your heads. And I want to ask this question very simply, very clearly. If you're willing to acknowledge that in all of our locations, Winter Park, Sanford, Oviedo, even joining us online. If you're willing to acknowledge right here and right now, you know what, Pastor John? I do need forgiveness of my sins. I do desire to have a relationship with Jesus. If you realize and you want to initiate that relationship with Christ today, the sinless son of God, I want you to raise your hand for me right now. Raise your hand for me right now. Awesome. Awesome. Raise your hand. Keep it up so I can see. Awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Praise God. You guys and ladies can put your hands down right where you're seated, right? Just right where you're seated, right in your heart. You can put your hands down right where you're seated, right where your heart, right in your heart. I just want you to pray this with me. If you're one of those guys and ladies that just raised your hand, just right in your heart, say this. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I acknowledge my need for your grace in my life. So I ask you right here, right now, to forgive me of my past, my regret, my sin. Take residence in my heart, and from this point forward, Jesus, as best I know how, I want to live for your glory and not my own. And God, thank you. Thank you that, uh, thank you for every home that's represented. Thank you for every family that's represented. Uh, God, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for your word, which is, uh, it is a lamp. God, thank you for your spirit, which is empowering us. And God, thank you for the privilege to go out and be difference makers in the lives of others, 
not so that people would look at us and think that there's anything particularly special about us, but so that people would look and say, surely the God that she serves has healed her. Surely the God that he claims is faithful. And so I pray that you would uh, send us out for your glory. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Amen.